Welcome to Pastor Bill's Classroom. We are in our study of the Book of Romans, Lesson 2, entitled, The Gospel. Hello, welcome back to our midweek study. Uh, we started last week looking at the Book of Romans, so you'd like to turn there, Chapter 1 of Romans, and we're going to be jumping in uh, in just a minute into uh, Paul's introduction, and more or less our introduction. This is the second time we've been together over this. Uh, Romans chapter 1, uh, let's pray together and we will get started. God, we love you and commit ourselves to you, we put ourselves into your hands. Uh, we know that you're directing our lives, but Lord, we're having a hard time hearing you on any given day. I pray you would lessen the noise in our lives that we can hear from you and focus on you and be um, obedient to you, God, uh, in everything. Thank you, God. Bless this, continue to bless this study we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So there was prison in Quebec, Canada that uh, forbid their prisoners to smoke cigarettes. Uh, I guess the plan was to get them off of uh, smoking altogether, and so they put them on nicotine gum in order for them to break the habit. And, uh, of course, as you can imagine, they figured a way around that. Uh, what they did was they took the nicotine gum and they ground it up really small, crushed it, and they combined it with tea leaves, and then they rolled it up in, get this, paper that they got from the New Testaments that someone had given to them. Great, great paper. And uh, the testimony of one of those prisoners who became a Christian later uh, went like this. He said, uh, I smoked all of Matthew, all of Mark, all of Luke, and he, then I, he said, I kind of felt convicted at that point after smoking three books of the Bible. And so he said, I started reading John. And he says, uh, interesting, when I read John, I read the story of God's desire to forgive me. The, the gospel, he called it, the good news, that God would wipe away my sins and that he doesn't want me to perish but have everlasting life for all those who believe and accept his son Jesus repenting of whatever they thought was going to save them and turning to Christ. And he said, by the way, I don't smoke anymore. I thought that was a great story. Last time we were together, uh, and we're going to be looking at that gospel all the way today. Last time we were together, we saw that Paul wanted us to know above everything else, first and foremost, that he belonged to someone else. What a great perspective on life. What a great way to start your day. Start off by saying, you know what, I belong to someone else. Before I make a decision, I belong to someone else. Before I go a direction with my finances or with my uh, estate, I belong to someone else. Before I make a decision about my business, none of this is mine. I belong to someone else. My family, my wife, my children, um, my influences, my opportunities, whatever that might be, however long God would have me here, I belong to someone else. That is critical for us. What is the Christian life? among other things, most importantly, is understanding. You belong to someone else. You don't go where you want to go. You don't do what you want to do. You don't become what you want to become. No, you belong to someone else. And there's such freedom in that. You're going to be a slave to something. Be, as Paul calls himself, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I belong to someone else, Paul says. A bondservant, right? Set apart from the world. Set apart to God, and as there's the next one where we're going to start today. Set apart for 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's, let's read it together. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Set apart for the gospel of God. What is the gospel? We hear that word all the time. It's a strange, not, maybe not a strange word, because we, we do hear a lot. We really don't know what it means. We say a lot of words, we don't know what they mean. Uh, the gospel truth we talk about, the preaching of the gospel. What does this word mean? We don't use it in any other context, it seems, except in religious context. So the word actually wasn't originally a religious word. It was just a simple word. Uh, it comes from German, uh, simply meaning good spell. That is, as opposed to a bad spell, or it better, better understood in, in English, a good news as opposed to bad news. Now I would suggest to you both sets of news are actually good. And the reason why I say that is because I'm convinced and I've seen it true and it's true in the organization of Scripture. There is no good news until you comprehend the bad news. In fact, there's no place for the good news in your life. Because really it's all just white noise because as far as you're concerned, it's all good news. God loves me. He's going to accept me. I'm going to get to heaven and, and uh, I don't have to do anything, right? I just, you know, I'm a better person than most everybody else and so that's how I get to heaven. So the good news that Jesus has died for you is meaningless, truly. Because why would he do that? I was doing fine. No, it's not until you understand the bad news that the good news actually makes sense. And there is some huge bad news. Here's some examples, Galatians 3.10. All who rely on the works of the law, that's good, good deeds, doing the right thing as opposed to the wrong thing. Notice, if that's what you're relying on to get you to heaven, it says you're under what? A curse. Because why? Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So you have confidence in the law of God, or you have confidence in doing the right thing as opposed to the wrong thing. The problem with it is you don't understand the system. By the way, it's God's system, not yours, and you don't get to tell him how it works. He's telling you how, how, he's telling you how it works, and this is how it works. Yeah, the law is your friend as long as you keep it. If you ever break it, it is your enemy. You are under a curse. Have you ever broken God's laws? Of course you have. So you're under a, those are eternal laws. You've committed an eternal crime. You're under eternal curse. It's bad news. Not until you understand the bad news. Does the good news of Jesus make sense? Let's look at another one. Uh, just short and sweet, but very clear. Ezekiel. The soul of sins shall die. It's a promise of God. He's not just talking about six feet under either. He's talking about a place in hell. Do you believe that God is telling the truth? See, until you believe God's telling the truth about the bad news, and it's impossible to believe the good, the, the good news, the truth in the good news. It's impossible. The soul who sins shall die. Do you believe him? And that's the bad news. Here's another one. You go many places. The wages of sin is death. Actually, the Greek, if you'll notice there, is is in italics because is isn't a part of the original Greek. The original Greek just reads just like that. For the wages of sin, death. Basically, you just imagine an equal sign there. So we just, we just supply the is in, in order for the flow of, of our English, but that's the point. Wages of sin, death. Do you believe God is telling the truth? 
See, you've got to have, you've got to have a great big dose of the bad news in order for the good news to sink in and make sense. The good news is that God will forgive our sins in paying for them through the death of His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Here's the remainder of Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. Do you believe Him? Not until you believe about that can you even get into the next part, which is the good news, the gospel. But the gift of God, so what I earn with my sin, that's wages, is death. But God will give me, notice, eternal life. It's just a free gift in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I have to come to God through Jesus or I will not have eternal life. But I have already earned from God death because of my sin. He owes me that. He does not owe you eternal life, but he is willing, in fact, would love to give you eternal life if you'll turn to his son. That's super good news. God will forgive you. God will forgive. Here, here's a person who, or this is uh, out of an old hymn, uh, who has very much dealt with the bad news so that they're ready for the good, good news. Listen to what this says. Depth of mercy. Can there be mercy still reserved for me? Can my God... His wrath forbear, me the chief of sinners spare. I have long withstood his grace, long provoked him to his face, would not hearken to his cause, grieved him with a thousand falls. It's not until you realize how lost you really are. Until you, not until you realize that, that you can really appreciate what Jesus is doing when he says, I've come to save you. If you don't see yourself out there hanging over hell, then I'm telling you the rescue that Jesus offers to you does not make sense. Again, there has to be bad news before there is ever good news. But the fact is there is good news. God's good news, God's gospel, and it goes on to say there in verse 2, promised beforehand. Promised beforehand? Yeah. Promised beforehand. The gospel of Christ was promised beforehand. Before time, in fact, God had already planned to save you and me. God had already planned the good news before there was ever any bad news. Isn't that amazing? There was always, God had planned the good news, but then the bad news came. But it's not until I understand the bad news that I can actually accept the good news. And, and um, yeah, that's it. You got it. Here, look. Promise beforehand? How much beforehand? Speaking of Jesus or speaking of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. And not, don't count on your works. Remember, curses everyone who does not keep the law, works of the law. But according to his own purpose and grace, notice this grace and purpose was given us, given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. We always talk about the time of Christ being about 2,000 years ago. Actually, the time of Christ has always been. Always been the single plan of God. Jesus wasn't a plan B when Adam and Eve in the garden didn't work out. Jesus was plan A because God always knew what would happen. Good news is God has always planned to save us and forgive us. That's his heart. That's his desire. That's his passion. There's 2 Timothy, promised beforehand, right? Titus, the very next book. In hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. 
So before there was anyone around to hear him say it, he says, I promise to save these people. I plan to create, give them eternal life, forgive their sins, give them grace. Like I said, it's this, this, these statements are prolific in the New Testament. First Peter chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. It was our sickness that he himself bore. Uh-oh, that's, uh, that's the next verse, sorry. So I'd ask you to, I forgot that I left this one out. First Peter chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, I could refer you to that one, but it just, it's just going to say the same thing, re- reiterate the same thing. Christ promised beforehand, before time ever began, that the time of Christ was before anything else. In eternity, God's plan has always been Christ. His plan was to love us, create us, forgive us, save us, rescue us, make us, put us in a place from which we could not fall, because now if we've trusted Christ, our merits are from Him, which do not change. The work he did on the cross is a permanent thing, always testifying against anything that might be wrong in us. It's good news. It's really good news. God's gospel promised beforehand, then he goes on there in verse 2, promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. What's he talking about? What Holy Scriptures? Well, of course, the Bible, uh, and the writer of the Bible, he refers to them here as the prophets, but, but, uh, and in some ways, every, every writer of the, of the Bible, Old and New Testament is. But in particular, what part of the Scriptures is he speaking of? It's just, I'm just trying to be detailed here because we need to understand what he's saying. Again, if we don't understand what the original writer was intending or what the original readers would have understood, then we have not come up with the correct interpretation. So we need to be very careful about that. What was he meaning when he says the Holy Scriptures? Well, I will say this. He was certainly not talking about the New Testament. How do we know? Well, he's writing the New Testament. The New Testament is in the process of being written by the other him and other writers of the New Testament during this time. He's not referring to that document. He's referring to the original Testament, the old, as we call it, Testament. Still the Word of God, 100%. Absolutely, completely reliable in every way. He's speaking of the Old Testament. Christ was promised, the good news of Jesus was promised in the Old, as we understand it, Old Testament. Many places that we could go to see this, but probably not better than Isaiah 53. It was our sickness that he himself bore, our pains that he carried, yet we ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted, struck down by God. It's our testimony. People didn't consider who, God, who Jesus was. The Son of God standing right in front of them. They thought he was just a human being. Struck down by God and humiliated, but he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment for our well-being was laid upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Even while we didn't know what we were doing, they were, people were killing him. Not even knowing who he was. And not understanding that even in his death, the thing that we carried out against him, he was saving us. It continues there in Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, by the way. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the wrongdoing, the iniquity of us all, to fall on him. Gospel promised beforehand by the holy prophets in are by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Here you go. There you have it. All of it, Old and New Testament, is God's Word. And a person and his Word, you know, are identical, don't you? You can't separate them. They can't, they can't be pulled apart. If, if I give you my Word in the form of a check, as an example, 
you have a million dollar piece of property and I write a million dollar check, I'm in that check when I sign my name giving you my word that I have a million dollars in the checking account. Let's say I take possession of that property, but you go to cash the check, and it bounces. So they come looking for what? They don't put the check in jail, do they? The check didn't commit fraud. I did. Because my word and my person are identical. They're identical. God's word, listen, and his person are identical. To give your word, listen, is to give yourself as collateral. That is what God has done in the Scriptures. He has presented himself as collateral. You can trust me. You can trust me about your sin, about the bad news. You can trust me about forgiveness, the good news. You can trust me about eternity. You can trust me about the ethereal realms. You can trust me about life, physical, spiritual, soul, doesn't matter. You can trust me. God has put himself as collateral again watch like john chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god god's word and his person are inseparable god's word and his person are inseparable now understand we don't worship ink we don't worship paper i mean all due respect to those things but we don't worship those things but we do worship the message of the scriptures because the message of Scripture is Jesus, and Him we worship. The message of Scripture is Jesus. It is God's Word. It is the truth. It is synonymous with Him. Right? In the beginning was the Word, Word was God, with God, and the Word was God. The Bible is of divine origin and will last as long as He will. Again, notice Jesus saying the same thing. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Because His words and him are the same. His words are in him, or they're, they're synonymous with his person. Here's uh, Peter, here, Peter's statement in, in verse 12, chapter 1. Notice, it was revealed to them, these, these prophets, these writers that Paul talks about, in the prophets and the Holy Scriptures, this, this, this gospel they were speaking about, revealed to them that they were not serving themselves as they were writing this. They were serving you, Peter says. And these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach, there it is, the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, think, listen to this, things into which angels long to look. Even the angels are the students of the scriptures. So this is the truth. Synonymous with the person of God. Synonymous with the person of God. The gospel which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And notice the last thing we're going to be dealing with at least today in verse 3. Concerning his son. There is no good news apart from Jesus. Jesus, in fact, is the good news. The good news isn't a message. Ultimately, it is a person. The good news is Jesus. The good news is God's Son. The good news is that God is willing to forgive your sins, not based upon some religious performance of yourselves or some mantra that you pray or something that you do. That God will forgive your sins based upon the person of His Son. The good news of the gospel promised beforehand in, by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning His Son. 
Son, everything revolves around God's Son, Jesus. Everything. Everything. Without Him, there is no knowledge of God. You can't know God apart from Jesus. Without Him, there's no worship of God. You can't worship God apart from Jesus. Someone who's coming to God but going around Jesus is not coming to God. You, therefore, you cannot approach God apart from Jesus. You cannot be forgiven by God apart from Jesus because Jesus is His Word to us. It's His message, but it's not just words. It's not just ink. It is a person. Like I said again, His name is Jesus. It is a person. There is no hearing from God unless you're coming to Jesus. Watch this. John 6, 45, Jesus' own words, it is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Yep, the whole world. Therefore, everyone, but if they're listening, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me, Jesus says. See, so show me a person who's pursuing God but not coming through Jesus. I'll show you a person that doesn't know who God is. Not hearing from God. Now, demons all the time. Doctrines of demons, voices of demons, lies from, from Satan himself. Lies from the world, lies from their own spirit, which are caught up in sin and iniquity and dead in their trespasses and sins. All the time, people are hearing those things. And how do we know when they are? Because they don't come to Christ. Now, when they become religious, even moral, all kinds of good deeds, all kinds of wonderful things, at least as the way the world sees things, but if they're not coming to Christ, they're not hearing from God. They're not, because it all revolves, it all hangs on Jesus. It all hangs on Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's God's final revelation and testimony. Consider. Hebrews 1. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the... There's the same group Paul's talking about, the prophets. That's what we had in the Old Testament. God was speaking, speaking, promising. The good news is coming. The, the, the person of my Son is coming. My, my message, which is the same as my word, which is the same as my person, he's coming. He has, in these last days, it says, spoken to us, notice, he's spoken through the prophets, in these last days, he's spoken to us in his son. Notice, what is God's message? It's a person. It's a person. It's not just words. Again, not some religion. Some, some more things that we need to do and cross off a list. No, God's message to us is a person, God's Son, Jesus, whom He has appointed heir of all things and through whom also He made the worlds. Again, when did the time of Jesus start? Never did. Always has. Jesus has always been. Always been. Appointed to save us before the worlds ever began. One more place, 1 John 5. And this is the testimony, God's final word, God's final testimony, God's final revelation is His Son. This is the testimony, John says, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. The gospel isn't just a message. It is a person. This life is in His Son. Again, not in a religion, not in a prayer, not in an activity, not in a list of good deeds. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Have you had a personal encounter with the 
Savior. He came to earth to become one of us so he could die and take our place and pay for our sins. I'm telling you, he wants to communicate with you. How, not, a, not a clearer message there has ever been than that one. Not a better message there ever been. That, that there is super good news. You do not have to die, but you are if you're outside of Christ. But you do not have to die and pay for your own sins in a place called hell. That's super good news. But that life, eternal life, comes through God's Son. You have to have an encounter with Him personally. Have you done that? Personally, God, Paul says, listen, God has appointed me an apostle. He set, apart, set me apart for the gospel of God. What is that gospel? A gospel that was promised through the prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning His Son. No one else. Nothing else. His Son. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your Son, Jesus. In Him is life. He is the life. He is the truth. He is the only way to you. So God, we come to you through your Son, Jesus. He's our representative. He's our high priest. He's the one that goes uh, in, into the secret places where only God can go. There with His own blood to, to testify against all the sins that we've done. To take them far away. Thank you so much for your Son. Thank you for the good news Thank you for communicating us the bad news so we can know where we stand and then bringing us the good news so we can know what we hope in. We continue to bless our study together in Romans, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.